I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Had I been afforded the opportunity as a child to just be like, Miss Long is so pretty, uh, maybe I would not be on Twitter screaming, like, Rachel Weisz punch me in the mouth, you know? Right. (laughs) I'm ducking out, you're ducking out. Let's duck out together. See what it's all about. Ducking out, ducking out, ducking out, ducking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that occasionally and bravely talks about Taylor Swift. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali, and today we are Diking Out about lesbian pop culture with Jill Gutowitz. Melody is so scared that I just mentioned Taylor my Swift. My heart rate's up. I wish I could show you my Fitbit. Um, I'm scared. <laughs> In Um, anticipation, please leave us five star (laughs) reviews uh, on Apple Podcasts because things are going to get dicey. Now, we do not speak ill. No, we don't. Of Tay Tay in any way. Just mere mentions sometimes are even a a huge risk. Yeah, yeah. It can be a trigger for some folks. And we get into that in our interview. Yes, yes. First, though, there's still time, I think. I don't think it's sold out yet to get tickets to our next Stonewall show, March 28th. Uh, We have Pat Brown, who was scheduled last time, but actually couldn't make it. But Pat Brown will be making her glorious return to Stonewall on March 28th. We have recent guest uh, Alicia Hush. We have Carmen Lagala and we have just Tom. Yes, just Tom is coming back. Sexy uh, lineup. Been doing so many shows. They've been performing their hour all around New York, but 
Uh, it'll be fun to see the material that they're going to bring to Stonewall. Can't wait. Actually, last time I saw them IRL was at Stonewall when I uh, convinced them and Lady Lamb to come for the <laughs> Sunday Honey Burlesque tea party. Oh, that. <laughs> yeah. You were there. You know what I'm talking about. I was there. Seen Jess a few times <laughs> since then. All times have been on stage crushing yeah. it. So excited. We got them. Can't wait. Get those tickets. Go to uh, Instagram. The link is in our bio. And well, if you can't support us at our shows in person, you can definitely support us on our Patreon. Oh, I love uh, it there. Yes. Patreon.com slash Diking Out. There's an extra episode every single week. <gasps> That where... is so nice. That is so generous. That is so <laughs> exciting. It is. And if you want to hear uh, how Melody really feels about me, go there. <laughs> <laughs> what? I take it. What? I'll take. I'll take what did I do? Uh, you know, Melody just makes fun of me for the way I pronounce certain things. Well, she's got a sharp A. Um, Carolyn's a contrarian, um, and I love to call her out on it. Is that what you're talking about? Don't find out at Patreon. A contrarian. <laughs> I'm gonna be a contrarian about being labeled a contrarian. Yeah, I know. I know you are, Carolyn. I have Carolyn, lukewarm takes. Quite contrarian. Sometimes go over to Patreon.com/slash checking out to see what that's about. We also have a Discord, and we love it there. We're mm. learning. All sorts of things and having a lot of fun. Listening, learning, growing. Let me, can I listen to you right now? What's the gayest thing you did this week? The gayest thing I did this week? Well, you know, every time that I think I have a gayest thing and then we have to push the recording by a day, a new gayest thing happens. So originally Beautiful. it was going to be that um, at the sublet that I stay in sometimes when I'm in Brooklyn. There is uh, a radiator in the lobby with a sign that specifically says, if you're trying to get rid of stuff, do not leave it here. And people always leave stuff there. The sign isn't working. And thank the goddess for that, because I walked in the other day and Megan Rapino's autobiography was sitting there and I snatched it up so quick Ugh. with zero intention of reading it. Goal. Only because... <laughs> Only because I'm not I'm not a big reader and we have so much to read for the podcast. So I don't know when I'll get around to it, but maybe one day. But I knew I needed it on my shelf. So I just grabbed that uh, autobiography of Megan Rapino. It was just, uh, I don't know, queer kismet. Is that the right phrase? Uh, I'll call it that. Queersmit. <laughs> Queersmit. <laughs> But then last night, I'm in uh, Buffalo right now with Cecilia, and uh, I always talk about how my favorite uh, lesbian bar that I used to go to, Roxy's, uh, shut down years and years ago. And I really haven't explored the gay scene too much in Buffalo. Usually when I'm here, I'm just with family. But I was like, let's go to Fugazi. Fugazi is a gay bar, mostly men. Uh, and it plays, get this, music videos. I love them. All the time. It's just music, you know, recent topic. And it's like um, Sam Smith, Lady Gaga, Beyonce, just like great uh, 
queer feeling videos and um it's a good vibe it's it's definitely like a divey bar and what was gay about it was Cecilia and I got there we spot a pool table which was great because Cecilia was asking if we could go somewhere with pool and there's a sign on the pool table that says they can't give out quarters uh, because of the national coin shortage. So we had to leave the bar to go get quarters to play pool because Whoa. we were not going to just sit there and stare at a at an unoccupied pool table, uh, which, you know, if you live in New York, that's a, a rare find to have the pool table yeah. <laughs> not be occupied. So we get some quarters, we come back, we noticed that there was a, a group of um, femme presenting, and I'm going to say I'm pretty sure they were all queer, uh, at the bar, and they seemed young, maybe maybe their college, one was wearing like a rugby shirt, uh, you know, just adorable young queers. Cecilia and I go into the other room with the pool table, five minutes later, they all come into the room. We created a lesbian bar at Fugazi. <laughs> we divided so the bar. Easy. Why are they yeah. talking about a shortage? <laughs> right. Uh, it definitely felt like two different bars at that point. One um, that was just a bunch of lesbians playing pool and darts. Uh, and then a bunch of gay guys at the bar um, sipping on martinis watching music videos on the other side so yeah that's we created a, a lesbian bar it's the gayest thing that we did this week honorable mention though to our shared gayest thing melody is that we did oh. go see past guest kara connors at yes. union hall which kara is flaming so so gay in itself we just have to give a shout out to kara and her straight for pay tour that she has been on Kara, so good to see Kara. Yeah, flaming. Did the set, did an hour, um, and immediately changed into a basketball jersey uh, yeah. to play bocce ball right after. Yep. So that's the gayest thing she did. Oh, yeah. Was changed into her basketball jersey <laughs> to absolutely crush at bocce ball. Uh, just very impressed with the skill level. There. So, Melody, if that's not uh, the gayest thing that you witnessed or did, what was the gayest thing you did this week? Oh, my God. Speaking of music videos, I did find myself watching Muna music videos because a new one dropped yes. this last week. But then we were just watching all of them. Ali Pankyu, past guest director, does such a good job with those music yes. videos. So sexy. So fun so cool Allie and i had muna music videos on while we painted eggs for our no ruse half scene now what's a half scene do i say this every year i don't know if i've <laughs> talked about the half scene before with the persian new year you can't have talk about it enough uh, yeah an arrangement it's called a half scene half to mean seven scene is the letter S in the Persian alphabet. And it's seven things that start with the letter S that symbolize different things. And um, like seer is garlic. You have that to represent like health in the new year. You have sabze, which is like greens, little like sprouts growing in a dish. You have seeb, which is an apple. Everything represents something else uh, to bring into the new year with you like that represent love 
patience, beauty, regrowth, vitality, etc. So would it be bad if we appropriated uh, this for the queer community, um, but like have a, a queer new year and use the acronym and then each letter from the acronym, you have something. No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what, did my face it, do something? <laughs> I was no, listening. <laughs> I'm just spitballing here. Uh, I just, you know, all a lot of cultures have a, a different New Year. The celebrations all sound great. And I feel like... Why Why just have pride? Why not have a queer New Year? Mm-hmm. And I really like um, cultural and religious celebrations that have um, food or things like that that are tied to meanings. Yes. You know, like a Passover and everything. I'm into that. Hell yeah. I like a good story. Continue. Yeah, the eggs aren't one of the original seven in the half scene, but there's like additional things you can put in there like sumag um or sumac the spice um <laughs> symbolizes sunrise so that's one and then the eggs aren't um in the original seven but a lot of people will paint eggs and put that on their half scene so Allie and I were um painting eggs last night and listened to a program on NPR and then switched over to Muna music videos and like this is uh extremely gay on a Friday night. (laughs) Um, So yeah, other than that, my gayest thing is absolutely staring at the clock um, because UConn women's basketball starts in a half hour. First game of the NCAA (laughs) (laughs) tournament. Um, I I made a bracket. That's, that's the gayest (laughs) thing making my bracket just for women's, not for men's. um, Okay. Yeah. NCAA tournament. UConn is playing in 30 minutes. We got to wrap this up. All right. Well, pressure's on. Let's get to our interview, which, you know, who would want to delay getting into this one? Because we are diking out with author, writer and director Jill Gutowitz about pop culture lesbian pop culture specifically you probably already follow her on social media and if not what are you doing her work has been featured in the new york times time vanity fair uh, vulture l glamour cosmopolitan vice and more recently harper's bazaar we get into it and uh, her debut book of essays girls can kiss now is available right now so get it but also listen to this Jill, thank you so much for diking out with us today. Uh, have been following you on Twitter for what seems like ages, and uh, this seems like the perfect timing to actually sit down and have a conversation. Oh my god! Wow, thank you. I'm so excited to be here to to dike out. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, Let's do it. You know, your book. Uh, when did it come out officially? Girls can kiss now. It came out on the 8th on Tuesday. Great. So everybody buy it if you haven't already. We're going to get into it. But uh, just so much fun to read. It's uh, it's funny. I feel like it should be read in like colleges. It's like <laughs> just so informative. It's <laughs> Thank um, you. 
Yeah, it just reminded me, uh, here I am saying, like, we're going to get into it in a minute, but I'm, like, verbal diarying. Yeah. You can't help yourself. You're enjoying it so much. I am. It's just, like, all the significant moments in lesbian pop culture that, like, some I forgot about or some, like, I hadn't fully like ruminated on and uh some yeah. repressed <laughs> some um right right <laughs> uh but yeah we'll get into that first though we want to know something we have a question for you okay would you be able to tell us the gayest thing you did in the last week wow that's a really good question i've had like a really gay week too because of yeah. the book's release um i mean on a larger scale, I feel like I had like an in-person um, book signing event and that feels like the gayest thing I did because there were just like so many, like, I was just like surrounded by so many queer people that that felt awesome and gay. I lo- love to be surrounded by other queers. Like on a smaller scale, I keep returning to looking at photos of Lindsay Lohan and I can't stop. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Which was also like a part of the book and like yes. in theory part of the book process with like talking about things that I covered in the book. Um, but I, you know, I'd be lying if I say, if I said it wasn't, um, also for fun slash personal. <laughs> right. Of course. You've been thinking about her a lot lately because she's having this sort of comeback and then sitting down to read your book. I know you have your obsession. So mm. it was just, yeah, perfect timing. I've been thinking and Googling a lot of Lindsay Lohan too. Yeah, lo- yeah, a lot of googling. I've always been doing a lot of googling Lindsay Lohan, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, uh, can't wait to get into that more because there's so much to unpack with her. Uh... Yeah, truly. <laughs> How long have you been working on this book? So long. I, it feels like um, I. So I here's like the general timeline. It's like I sold the book proposal in February 2020 started writing in like April, 2020. Um, so that's like when I was officially starting to write, but before that I had taken like a year to write the book proposal that sold. And before that, there was another year where I was working on a different book proposal. That was like a much earlier iteration of this that didn't sell. So, um, I guess really like since 2018, I've been uh, putting efforts forth for, for, for what is now girls can kiss now. Wow. And how, how did you land on the title for it? Oh man, it was, uh, my girlfriend and I were talking about this the other day and she was like sitting through the title process with you was like amongst the most excruciating things either of us (laughs) have ever done. I was like, no, I know. Um, I agonized and agonized and agonized over this, like more than I ever, I'm like a, the kind of person who like agonizes over, you know, like what to eat for lunch and like, should I Same. get up now to go to the bathroom or in 10 more, can I hold it 10 more minutes? You know, like, <laughs> like everything it requires overthinking. Um, so to like pick a title of a book was like truly the biggest task I've ever had to overcome in my like overthinking um, brain. There were so many titles. I, I just like, couldn't find one that I felt really good about um, another title that I, it almost was, was, um, uh, the canon was like an early, early version of it. Like, you know, playing with lesbian canon of it all. Um, Mm -hmm. also there's a chapter in there called one day you'll all be gay. That was almost a title too. But, you know, I think like the things I knew I wanted for a title were, I wanted something that felt celebratory 
um, of like the moment that we're at, that we've arrived at, you know, in like uh, in queer culture, um, and also something that signals both, uh, you know, a journey to getting to this place in pop culture, and also a journey in uh, for like my personal life of like coming to the place to a place of feeling like you know. Uh, girls can kiss now and feel really gleeful about it because I, you know, I came out when I was 23 and it, and it took, it took some time for me to feel really good about it. So. Yeah. Girls can kiss now. Um, (laughs) Straights can dress like lesbians now. I just read your Harper's (laughs) Bazaar piece on um, sapphic style going mainstream. It does seem like, yeah, so much has culminated in the last few years. Um, yeah. Not just in your personal story in the book, but just like in pop culture, lesbianism, finally cool. Yeah. We're taking up space. Totally. I love it. Yeah. And like, you know, like that, you know, the, the arc of the book is like both of those things. It's like the mainstreaming of lesbian culture. And also because of that, you know, me like coming to find um, not just peace in my sexuality, but like true, like overwhelming joy in it. And I wrote this piece for Harper's Bazaar uh, that was, you know, like it accompanying the book about like kind of the mainstreaming of lesbian fashion specifically. And uh, I, you know, it's like, I have mixed feelings about it, which I say in the article with, you know, like I uh, am happy to see, to like feel validated in this like kind of baseline human way of like, oh, this is like, you know, widespread cool now. Um, and also it does, uh, make me, it does frustrate me to see like any old straight woman wearing Doc Martens. And I'm like, I wanted right. to wear Doc Martens in high school and everyone said slurs at me. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah. that sucks, but <laughs> I know I was reading the first few paragraphs and it was, it seemed celebratory and I was like, wait, am I the asshole? Like, and then yeah. I got to the paragraph yeah. where you feel resentful, like, Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> we can feel all things. Yeah. There's, there's a, a dichotomy there for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it is so crazy. Cause I always think about even like recently I was going through a drawer I have that's full of dresses that I haven't worn in ages. And, uh, that like, even though I came out when I was 17, I was like, but I cannot dress like a lesbian, yeah. like, or like if I'm just one, but nobody can tell right away, then that's, that's the safe way to go. And yeah. everyone will accept me as is. So now it's like, okay, I could have been looking way hotter, way sooner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And that, and that, you know, that's, I think like, that is one of the main resentments in general that I have is like, uh, had this been all, you know, more widespread accepted much earlier, I could have gotten there way faster. You know, I could have like, right. found this out about myself and loved myself a lot earlier in my life. Um, which is again, like the frustrating thing, which is that like, these are things I used to have to have to, you know, you feel shame about, uh, right. which are now on any woman named Sarah. <laughs> which yeah. <is> that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it's interesting, too, in in reading your book, um, just like I I felt like I hadn't really examined like all of the sources of this kind of like internalized homophobia that I might have had when I was um, younger. And when you call out these examples from like movies 
and shows where it was just like the one person who was a little bit different. It's like, oh, they're a lesbian. They're an Uber dyke, all of that. I'm like, oh, my God, that is why I like was just terrified like yeah <laughs> um like how much of a an influence that actually was on a lot of us and even though I like once I was out as a lesbian I'm like this is great this makes sense but then I was still like parroting those horribly toxic yeah toxic views so toxic <laughs> you talk about bring it on and yeah. someone being called an uber dyke i was obsessed with that movie i yeah thought i knew every word from it like i would sit down and recite it along with the movie from start to finish yet i s- forgot about like i had buried that one line <laughs> of the movie yeah. and like completely forgot about it until I was reading this, a movie I thought I knew so thoroughly. <laughs> no, I, I'm the same way with Bring It On, where it's like, it's one of those movies I've seen so many times, it's almost like I've memorized the dialogue of it as if it's a song. Like, the the way that they say <laughs> things, I can, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, yeah. I, know, I know not only every word, but the way they are said. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That kind of stuff in the 2000s is like the the little stuff that builds up that like really got me I think is that like you know with specifically with bring it on and Missy slash Eliza Dushku it's like they present mm-hmm. her as this person who is like objectively cool cooler than everyone too cool for cheerleading you know and they set yeah. you up to be like oh fuck yeah like here she is she's got her you know wallet chain and her tattoos and whatever And then once you're already there being like, she's so fucking cool, or me at least, they're like, (laughs) they call her an Uber dyke. And then she gets laughed out of the room. And then it made me, I feel like, you know, I said this in the book, like kind of like mistrust my own instincts about like, what is cool? Because I was like, well, if I thought that was cool and I identified with that or wanted to like in an aspirational way. And now I know that that could get you laughed out of a room. Now I have to like, start like correcting myself, you know? Because I didn't right. really yeah. laughed out of the room in a room full of hot cheerleaders, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was confusing. I also love like further along in the book, you talk about um, like gay guy culture and you gravitating towards that as cool. And I related to that so hard. I think I talked recently on the podcast and like thought I'm only starting to realize it's my own internalized misogyny and homophobia mm. that I like gravitate more to like gay guy culture. And I think all their memes and like things they talk about obsess over are cooler. And I loved the line you had after talking about Kristen Stewart embodying what typically has classically been cool with her like haircut and her leather jackets and how we just need we're taking up space in cool culture and yeah she was so close to taking up that space and bring it on um <laughs> yeah who knew it, yeah, if we had taken out that slur totally no and it's like if, if that Could change lives absolutely <laughs> like if that movie came out today like in exactly the same form um she would obviously be like the hot like lesbian character and they would take the uber yeah. like out of it and it would just exist as is you know what i mean like it's just like the the world view of the movie would have been so different yeah yeah oh well <laughs> a tragedy let's dive into more toxicity oh yeah. <laughs> just 
Is that what we're doing? I know we're talking lesbian pop culture. We all came of age in such a gross time. Yes. Like I am thoroughly enjoying your book and I'm so triggered. <laughs> at the same time. Thank you. And I'm sorry. <laughs> God, the Perez Hilton of it all, like things I just like buried. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, your your knowledge of pop culture is so vast and and you touch on it in the beginning like right in the beginning about how it like taking an interest in pop culture can be seen as like vapid um it's something that only women or gay men are interested in um but then you kind of have a more evolved viewpoint on that can you talk about that a little bit more (laughs) Yeah, totally. No, I, I, and you know, this is something I kind of grappled with in the book and like over the course of writing the book, because originally I, when I sold the book, it, you know, it was supposed to be more like humorous analytical essays about like film, TV, culture, music, et cetera. Um, and then because the pandemic happened like the same month that I was supposed to start writing. And so like the tone and the material in the book kind of changed a little bit in ways that like, I'm, I'm glad that it did. But, you know, I kind of start, we all were kind of grappling at the time with like watching celebrities fully melt down in front of us and being like, this is so, this is uh, like intolerable to watch. And, you know, it made me feel like how important is pop culture and is it vapid and vacuous? Something that I've always said that it, that it isn't, Um, but just like watching the meltdowns, I was like, whoa, like this is really bad and really toxic. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I think ultimately I reached the conclusion that I, I I do still think pop culture is like very, very valuable because I think it's politics, you know, like it, anything that is going on in the world uh, politically is reflected in like uh, trends, music, you know, the stories we're watching on in film and TV, um, which is like shown to us in, you know, ultimately and us weekly or whatever it is like that, what, whatever way we consume pop culture. And so I think like, it, you know, it, it's very human, I think, to want to read and consume stories about what's going on in the world and like how it's affecting people. Um, so I think that like pop culture is very important. It is, I don't think it's like a vapid vacuous, um, pastime. Uh, but I am glad that I had to kind of like reach that conclusion again in my adult life, because there's definitely, you know, some celebrity culture that is bad and I think affects people's like self-worth uh, of like, you know, certain kinds of messages of like, you know, ha- having certain things, followers, money, um, food, attention, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever the thing is. Uh, is like what your value should be. And like, that is something that I wholeheartedly disagree with. Like that, that part of celebrity culture, I I do think is, is bad and wrong. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. You consume a lot of celesbian culture. Um, Yeah. (laughs) We, (laughs) we, we had a little reckoning about Mm -hmm. our fascination with um, certain, like we speculate a lot. Yeah, yeah. Carolyn and I. Um yes. and we had to take a real long hard look at ourselves <laughs> after reading <laughs> about maybe some of the harms with speculating um about celebrities cuz how different are we then from Perez Hilton? 
I, we're not yeah. drawing cum on people's faces, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we have we have grappled with that before um, in terms of, yeah, like the excitement of like, oh, I want this person to to be queer. Let's talk about it or being like, oh, obviously they're they're queer. Come on, you know, but not like I, I don't know. I guess like Perez Hilton felt like he was it just felt malicious. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Um, whereas, like, I feel like I don't have, like, the actual power to out someone. It's not like I saw someone in a bathhouse and then I'm, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, putting that out. I'm just, like, re- reading the, the clues like uh, like everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, Press Hilton, man. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. I, I didn't man, know if- he was still at it I guess because he became so irrelevant but I was surprised that I I saw the famous Ellen Mm -hmm. apology in quotes uh (laughs) yeah he tried to like come out as not a bully anymore right right Um, right. and then I think I don't even remember how long it took it could have been six months I'm not sure and then he was like yeah this is my bread and butter though and then like went back to uh the tone of his Mm -hmm. website being yeah like kind of kind of malicious yeah. Imagine if like Stan culture had intersected with like the height of his reign and like he was speculating Oof. trying to out Taylor Swift and yeah. the Swifties got to just go after him and take him down. <laughs> I don't know if that was possible. Um, he only yeah. was able to exist at that time, but totally. No, I'm like, I <laughs> Swifties are like truly like unimaginably scary. I mean, I'm one of them, um, but like I they are when they mobilize it is yeah. it is so we've, scary. we've been on the other end we've yeah. been on the same not, not blunt, not, blunt yeah. end of- <laughs> like, like not too extreme but uh i didn't know that some of them would like out other swifties to their family yeah no what? that's insane there's like many- i don't know what you're talking about what there's uh, there's been like inner swifty fighting and outing where like there's like different actions you know of the like right. Swifty uh-huh. community like the like the gaylers the people who really want Taylor Swift to be gay I mean well there's also different factions of the of the this group I feel like there's ones that are like homophobic and so right. don't want her to be gay for those reasons there's also ones who are not homophobic homophobic but like don't want people to speculate because they're like respect her word like respect mother's yeah. word um and but yeah the like homophobic ones have like you know, basically like doxxed and outed people who have like anonymous, you know, Swifty wow. Stan accounts um, to their like friends and family, which is fucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I can, I can talk for, for hours about inner Swifty wars, but um, I'm yeah. afraid to touch the subject. Same. We Let's all get out of said here. One, yeah. <laughs> They'll hit our reviews again for even mentioning her. For yeah. anyone who's interested, I mean, as you mentioned in your book, you can go on, on Tumblr. We also, um, on our Patreon, have an episode that uh, comedian uh, Sarah Kennedy came on. I mean, it's not updated with the the latest, but she did bring her binder, let's say, of, of evidence. And <laughs> we held on to it. And we're like, the day that Taylor Swift comes out, we're going to take this outside the paywall and release this but it's never happened and there have been days where i'm like oh i think it's happening tonight and i'm like sitting at my computer ready to be like the first one to make that episode live yeah 
nothing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's, it's scary. And what, you know, what I was going to say earlier is that like, it, if that existed at the time of Perez Hilton, like he honestly could have gotten swatted or something horrible because yeah. I yeah. don't, I, they're scary. They can be really scary. Yeah. And, and even just like the, I mean, I guess this is a good natural segue to get into Lindsay Lohan. Um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the, the nicknames, like the mean and homophobic and the, like uh, lesbophobic, butchphobic. Yeah. Completely names. forgot about Leslo and Samantha. Yeah. Jesus. And I would log on and read it every day. Um, like yeah, I was same. inundated with it, but I had completely forgot because I think I just buried a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. Era. Well, I, also, I also feel like it was like so p- much a part of the culture that like, because I, I also like, you know, and I said this in the book, like I would read Perez Hilton like multiple times, like every day. I would come right. home from school and read it. Um, and it was so like, it became so normal in the culture, you know, to right. like that kind of like, really like vocal bullying that it wasn't even considered that you know so like I also like it a lot of this I like looked back and I was like oh fuck this was like really bad and I also you know I barely remembered some of the like Les Low, you know nickname kind of stuff because it was just so a part of the moment that I, right. I didn't think it was abnormal at the time I know we I feel like we didn't even recognize how mean it was at the time because at, like at the same time, you had Diane Sawyer being a total cunt yeah. to Britney mm-hmm. Spears, but in a way that wasn't as obvious as like drawing cum shots on her face. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so like that stuff is the bar of like polite, uh, you know, um, or like Matt Lauer, or like, like whoever these people are, just being total assholes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to to female celebrities in, in particular, that when press. Hilden does it it's like oh he's just kidding around you know but it is like some of the darkest like meanest stuff I've ever read yeah well and I also think that was like a reflection of like how normal that was at the time where like you know had I I, I'm I'm sure I did I don't like have a strong memory of it but like had I watched that Diane Sawyer Brittany interview at the time I probably would have been like well yeah she's a journalist she's like doing her job Right. Uh, which is like, no, there's also a lot of like personal, res- like moral responsibility and like being a, a human being. I don't know. Right. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. 
If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out the Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Find the Dungeon Cast anywhere you get podcasts or on YouTube. Right. It was just such a harsh time. Like, do you remember the Save Mary Kate shirt? Wait, can you say more about this? I just unlocked something. (laughs) I know, because you unlocked it for me when I was just thinking about... um, just how toxic this, I keep using that word. Yeah. I, I'm, I've been triggered all day um, <laughs> in the best way, like things I really need to needed to examine. But there was a shirt that some like internet company put out and it was Save Mary Kate and it was blue. I remember like a baby blue. It had a black drawn. Remember that image of her like on the red carpet and she's in this like light purple dress and she's like kind of posing and you see all of her ribs like yeah it was like yeah, yeah it's peak, like backless yeah, trigger yeah. Peak, uh anorexia yeah. some monster went on the internet and started selling like a draw, huge image of that shirt which is save mary kate on it and they ended up um suing them or dual star entertainment did whatever um their company was but i just remember yeah, that be like seeing that shirt at the peak of Perez Hilton, like the gay bully at my school wearing it, offering to buy it for people who like couldn't order online. Right. Like, just like that was the humor of the time. Yeah. Speaking of things like that, the lawsuit with Samantha Ronson against Perez Hilton. How how did she lose that? She sued him and he countersued her for like defamation, basically. Uh, or, you know, for. um. What is the word? There's a legal word for it. Slander. Slander. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. So, um, and I, she, she lost and she ended up having to pay him $85,000 according wow. to the internet. Yeah. Like what was it? Cause she couldn't prove that that wasn't her cocaine or like what I'm trying to think of like, what, what would have been the the thing? Cause it sounds, that sounds so dangerous that you could just be like, Oh Yeah it was this person's cocaine without like a shred of evidence and then and then like make those shirts yeah it's <laughs> fucked up <laughs> yeah 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 the t-shirt thing reminded me of it but, <laughs> yeah no i that i do remember save mary kate and i but i feel like you know obviously my book has like a focus on like the queer girl stuff but like right. the 2000s were so harsh to truly everyone and everything were like you know, like, like Brittany and, you know, the Amy Winehouses of the world and, you know, Lindsay Lohan and stuff, um, you know, like we women. were like, yeah, women, Paris Hilton. Um, yeah. like, you know, all of these things that we were like talking about as being bad or making somebody bad or crazy, like having an eating disorder or being a drug addict or, you know, like things or having a mental illness, like all of these things that we know now as being like, this person deserves like help and empathy and is a human being. And it does not make them bad to be mentally ill or have an, you know, an eating disorder, like, like, it, like so many things. And yeah. And like th- thinking about like, also how Perez, you know, talked about like Mary Kate Olson and like um, Nicole Richie and like all the, you know, like, it's so much of it, but it was just, it was the harshest of harsh times. Yeah. So how do we feel about it being in vogue now, at least aesthetically? Um, I, I don't know. I hope I don't just see a thrifted Save Mary Kate shirt. That's all I'm saying. I know a lot of yeah, no. um, <laughs> the kids are <laughs> jumping back into the aughts uh, fashion right. wise. 
<laughs> yeah, no. They know better. They know better. We should uh <laughs> we should not we should not engage Gen Z. Please don't. But yeah. They 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 I think for the most part smarter and um have more like empathy than uh than most. Yeah. Hopefully. So how did you feel like the shift with Lindsay when she kind of basically like walked back on that entire relationship and was like I was never queer like all of that how did that make you feel yeah I have kind of turned a blind eye to this because I love her and I want it to be pure even though it isn't (laughs) anymore Um, but yeah I remember like I a few years ago I was writing for um like into the LGBT you know magazine whatever and uh and like covering this I think Lindsay went on like Wendy Wendy Williams I think is where she like officially said out loud that she was like rescinding her by label uh which uh I just uh, I don't think you can do (laughs) um I I I think at like sexuality and gender is like all so fluid and also like doing a take backsies feels bad (laughs) you know um I think like you like for me she's clearly like not wanting to associate with that label and also probably with like a really hard time in her life that I'm like going to psychoanalyze here, but I can imagine like going through that media shitstorm where everyone, you know, like basically associated her queer relationship with her being like mentally ill and an addict. Like she probably conflated those things too because of that, you know, uh, that's, right. I, that I could assume, I don't know. Yeah. But like, I, I can see that happening for her where like she, you know, maybe feels that uh, that was a bad time in her life because it wasn't like, it was like maybe a toxic relationship, but like, that doesn't mean that you're not queer. Like you very publicly dated, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's hurtful to me personally because um, I love her so much, and right. I want her to s- still be like a big part of the queer community. Yeah, we're rooting for her. Yeah, uh, like I feel like she just—I <laughs> like, know her so well, and she just hasn't been herself in a long time. <laughs> you know? Yes, I was like talking to in another um, interview that I did about my book and Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> That I've done, I've, I really won't stop talking about this. Um, is it, but you know, we we were also discussing that she's not she's not herself right now, and I I want so badly for her to return to um being herself. I don't know. To me, yeah, I, I am I bonded so much with her in like the movie Freaky Friday, which I feel like is so much like queer signaling, just like yeah. The- it's and the being in the band of it all yeah like that is to me like that's where I'm like at a certain point I turn a blind eye to Lindsay Lohan stuff but like she was such a big part of my queer awakening that it is really hard for me to grapple with <laughs> yeah I mean like Lindsay Lohan trying to channel Jamie Lee Curtis energy like in itself is yes. I mean <laughs> we could pivot to mommy issues right now uh- <laughs> <laughs> Pivotal mommy issues film. Oh, yeah. yeah. My OG mommy. Talk about queer awakening. I talk about it a lot on this podcast. I won't go into it. I obviously <laughs> um, realized I was queer watching her strip tease and true lies. Um, <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis. 
And oh. yeah, that oh. is a queer fever dream. That movie. I should go back because we have Lindsay and Jamie in it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But your book has um one of the best chapter names I think I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> step on me julianne moore yeah i loved it <laughs> yes um, thank you finally yeah i'm loving the mommy issue discourse um <laughs> yeah the, you know when this first came out um like and was hitting kind of a first came out being like this step on me rhetoric being like so mainstream and with rachel weiss and um I was like, what's going on? I don't get, I felt like such an old, I was just like, what, what, what are these kids talking about? Punch yeah. me in the face, run me over, choke me. What's happening? <laughs> and like, people were like trying to explain to me. I'm like, okay, I guess. And like, eventually I'm like, okay, now I'm like starting to get it. I'm starting to get it. And your book breaks it down. Uh, so great. But yeah, let's get into the intersection of step on me culture slash MILFs. <laughs> <laughs> Let please let's get into it. Let's always get into Mills. <laughs> yes. No, I I I mean I, I do get pretty pretty serious, pretty analytical in this part yeah. talking about the phrase step on me, mom. Um <laughs> no, I mean like for me personally, and you know, I, I I cannot speak for the entire queer community. For me personally, I feel like um I repressed uh, so much about myself and my personality and a big part of that being like my desires um, for so long that, you know, even like course correcting as a child and having like maybe a really pure, simple crush on like a teacher and knowing that if I was ever like, wow, like um, Miss Long is so pretty that people would be like, okay, dyke, you know, right? <laughs> um, like that I... I, I held back talking about my desires for so long that now that I am out and that the culture has like changed enough where um, I am not going to be called slurs uh, for um, simply expressing who I am interested in sexually. It, it like pours out of me in truly like violent outbursts. Uh, <laughs> and I think, you know, like, you know, I don't know, had I been afforded the opportunity as a child to just be like, Miss Long is so pretty. Uh, maybe I would not be on Twitter screaming, like Rachel Weiss punched me in the mouth, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but the reality is that I, that I am doing that. Uh, yeah. And I, I can't stop. <laughs> yeah. There's a, urgency yeah it, it is it's like it's like an urgency it's like it, it's involuntary it just like pours out I don't know do you I mean I, do you guys feel this way am I am I alone in this I mean I I had never thought about it in the context of it being like exclusive to older women I guess but like when I met Jenna Lyons I'm like stab me in the eye with your stiletto like yeah. that's <laughs> like the first thing that comes to mind right it resonates with me I think this way what I had never thought about was how you perfectly laid it out the frustration with straight people using this language yeah. and how like this is like an inherently queer way to lust yeah. and yearn for right. someone um using these like violent outbursts because I I'm not trying to paraphrase you but um straight people can't lust violently because their lusting has never been met with actual violence. So it's like, exactly. it's for us. Yeah. Right? You, you said it much better than me. Like, I feel like it, it bothers me to watch like straight 
people try to like get in on the like joke or the culture of yeah, yeah of being like Adam Driver like step on me and I'm just like you know what Sarah uh <laughs> take a walk yeah cool like up. take a shower like I just <laughs> there's no um grand admission in like saying that like as a straight woman you are attracted to Adam Driver like that is just so normal and always yeah been or like considered normal by the by so many people that mm-hmm. like yeah I think that the the other element that I like didn't mention before is that there is this kind of like queer shame in it you know where it's like the the like power dynamic of like the the mom you would like to step on you you know yeah. of like being the all powerful and you are just like this yeah. tiny little like gay worm who has always been shamed <laughs> for their desires and feel maybe deep down that you deserve to be stepped on. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's part of it. <laughs> oh, it's there. I think it's definitely a, a bunch of those things. And, and you're right. Like, I never really did think about that much of like not being able to express like my attraction for women again, like even when I was queer, but I didn't want to or like out and gay, like I had girlfriends, but I didn't want to be creepy by saying yeah. like a celebrity was hot. So I'd be like, oh, there's something about her. Like she's so beautiful or she's so talented or yeah. something like that. So it just like didn't seem like object uh, objectifying. But yeah. then with with men, I felt like, oh, I can objectify men even though I'm not really attracted to them. Um, but that feels like OK to make those statements about um yeah and then it just jumped from being like oh she she's so talented and like so interesting to like run me over uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like we, we took a, a giant a giant leap there yeah, yeah I, I also was like that I feel like in in high school and stuff it could never be me to start the conversation about how hot Lindsay Lohan or whoever was but right. when any of my like straight friends were like Lindsay Lohan looks so hot in Mean Girls I would be like totally right right am I right and then (laughs) you know and like definitely take it too far of course um because I would always like that would be like my end to be like okay right like this isn't weird like Lindsay Lohan is objectively beautiful right yeah fucking right (laughs) I know I was so horned up from that movie and would always try to talk about her body but then make it be like and I wish I could (laughs) fill up a juicy velour zip up that way like Right. Like you could only talk about it in terms of jealousy, um, like other straight women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I l- want that hair, too. <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah. I mean, I will forever remember this moment where I was shamed so hard. It was before it was right before I came out. But like I it was also right around the time that I was realizing that that I was gay. And um, I got this job working at a movie theater and um, was like trying to make friends, whatever. So these two like cool girls working in the cafe were talking about Ocean's Eleven and uh, like all the hot guys in it. But they were just but they were talking about the the actors. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, I can't wait to see it. Julia Roberts. <laughs> and the, the one person, Caitlin, uh, turns to me and she's like, um, I don't know about you, but we're talking about hot guys but if that's your thing and I all I was like 
ready to die. It's like, like a free form show scene. Yeah. yeah. Totally. It, it, it was so me. And I'm like, they know. Like, yeah. and I'm like, I messed up. I messed up. I messed up. Fuck, 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 fuck. And like, <laughs> yeah. can never. All I said it was like, and Julia Roberts. Like, that was it. I wasn't yeah. even like. I, people were so fucking ready all the time. Like in yeah. the 2000s, I feel like I was like on edge constantly. Of yeah. Like, so alert because it was like truly the smallest thing like that. Not even being like Julia Roberts is so hot. Doesn't everyone here want to fuck Julia Roberts? Like literally all you had to do yeah. was being like, I'm excited to see this movie with this woman that I like in it. And people yeah. would be like, okay, homo. Okay. Yeah. And you're like, oh, whoa. Yeah, and, and I, and it, it, yeah. There was so much of that. Even with with Mean Girls, the the Janice Ian of it all, yeah. like that. You know, that's the whole reason she hates her because she thought she was. I mean, a le- right? Like, she was a lesbian. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, at one point in your book, you write lesbian, lesbian, <laughs> and that was something that was hurled at me <laughs> as a kid. Um, that's instead of uh, if people are getting tired of the dyke, um, fat, right. like homo, yeah. sometimes some mean girls in my class would go lesbian, lesbian, <gasps> just honk it in honk a French it. accent at you. <laughs> and I read you say or spell it out that way and it just took me back. Wow. <laughs> I like the idea of So I was like, did that happen to her too? Or was that just a... Is that just a choice you made, like for no. fun, or like were people saying? I was like, that seems specifically my school. <laughs> Did someone from Melody School reach out to you? And like, yeah. You know. yeah, no, that feels like the the queer honking, or the the honking slurs. That that's very that's specific. No, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so. I, but I, but I am always, I feel like, t- trying to take uh, a word that was hurled at me in a negative way in my youth and reclaiming it and being like dress it up yeah yeah (laughs) that's really okay cool i had to know yeah that just popped in my head uh threw me for a loop funny i mean with with the with the mainstreaming of lesbians i feel like now we also have this thing going on where celebrities are coming out but they're just saying i'm open to anything uh like like susan sarandon and it's like (laughs) it's like almost like like there's this like fear of um not fear but but like uh it it's like not cool to be straight anymore so a lot of people are being like oh yeah yeah i'm open to anything and then it's like a a headline you know or it's trending on twitter like this yeah. person's gay and it's like I or like I thought, they're queer I'm yeah. like I don't think they're queer they said they're open but I don't how do I you feel that about that Susan Sarandon yeah <laughs> like, okay, but, really but, pressed about how cool she's being perceived <laughs> okay well I would say I don't want to say who I was gonna say because I don't want oh. people to come after me so I, yeah no I I will tread lightly again because same but um yeah, yeah no there that this really bothers me. This I'm like, actually, I do want to say it, but um, <laughs> it bothers me because I think if you talk about queerness in this like coded way in this day and age of being like, well, you know, you don't know, I could do anything. Then it's like, well, then just say what you've done. You know, like, I, you know what I mean? Like if, if it's so, if it's not scary and it's not a big deal, that's like, if it's not a big deal, like you're kind of making it a bigger deal by still like obfuscating, you know what I mean? 
I think yeah. like, um, that's, that's just not brave. And I don't, you know, there's in, in a lot of ways, like, it's not like, um, brave to come out for a lot of people anymore. Like, I think like, you know, someone like, uh, Elliot Page who like came out as queer a long time ago before people were really saying it. And that was brave. And then, you know, and then came out as trans, like, these are things that I think, uh, are important and like making these statements um explicitly is important and i think and right. it, does, it does bother me when people talk about sexuality um in the year 2022 as being like i don't know you you just can't say that it's not a big deal while also not explicitly saying what you mean because if it wasn't a big deal then you could just say it you know yeah and right you, i the- think you're like the the message you're communicating is that um there is still some kind of like secret to be had. Yeah. If the vagueness feels like Ilaria Baldwin esque, you know, (laughs) like, like, like not being completely transparent about her background. I know it's not her orientation, but um, it just reminds me of that. I feel safe that we can bring that up without getting shit. So (laughs) yeah, good reference, Mel. That is a really good reference. Safe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, No, I think like, I, I think I'm just like, exhausted by the like celebrity culture of obfuscating and making it seem um like I I feel kind of all or nothing about representation in 2022 where it's like uh you know either like talk about it and be proud about it or be honest about where you're at with it at least or don't because you know even like this is something I will I'm gonna get hate comments I feel uh but like you know Zoe Kravitz recently said that she played Catwoman bisexually <laughs> yeah uh I, first, I I do want to preface by saying like she is God and I will not be saying anything negative about God um, and I also <laughs> think uh I also think that you know when you identify as queer like I believe that that is real for her that she brought you know like a a queerness to the role because she is queer so there there is a natural you know energy there I feel like I've seen like studios and tv shows and whatever do this kind of thing of talking about like implied queerness and it's like that's not enough and this is again the Dumbledore of it all like right and it's like there's nothing to do with her it's like no no shade to her at all because I think if it, she had it her way, like Catwoman would have some bisexual moments in the movie. Sure, um, sure. You know, so, but it's like, I just, there is no such thing as playing something bisexually um, if, if there is no explicit shows uh, or discussion about it. You know what I mean? Right. Like right. that, it's, yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of useless. Yeah. So useless. It was just because she like, threw in a baby here and a longing look there like yeah <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I just yeah I feel pretty like all or nothing lately about representation because I'm just tired of like um I'm tired of getting like watered down kind of stuff you know and like yeah. I want something that's like as explicit or and unique as like the favorite or you know what I mean like just just say the thing or you're communicating a message that we should not be saying the thing Right, right. And and you just had a piece come out in Time um about representation and yeah. like don't just give us a queer character for the sake of exactly. representation if it's not gonna reflect like an actual queer narrative or story or experience. 
Yeah. Everything I was just talking about was, you know, some like what I covered in the article is just like, I am frustrated by like some of the, like, I feel, you know, queer characters that I've been seeing where it feels like, you know, people are just throwing in a queer character in anything to like meet some sort of like quota. Um, but to me, you just owned that you were a heterosexual show. Um, then like give us someone who like explicitly speaks in, you know, like queer theory and like doesn't have real human traits uh, or like a life or relationships and just is like, you know, they're saying things like patriarchy or whatever. Woke yeah. moment. <laughs> um. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, like I would just rather watch like a, a, a movie about a queer person than watch a show that's like one queer person in a group of all straight people, which makes no sense because where are their queer friends, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, how do you feel about actors who are not out and may identify as straight playing queer roles? Because this is something where I feel like we've been thinking about this lately. Yeah. Yeah. Why? I... Because we're seeing that same ham-fisted queer character yeah. just arbitrarily placed in. We're seeing that with what queer couplings on shows and TV or movies and they have no chemistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> we'd rather have to maybe not gay characters, but the chemistry is there yeah. to serve the story better. How do you feel? I, I, I feel like my opinion is like still, you know, morphing on this where it's in some ways, I feel like it's almost case by case because I've seen right. plenty of movies where like, a uh, you know, straight identifying like woman um like nails it and it is really hot and it feels really genuine you can just say Kate Blanchett you can I was just gonna say, say Carol anything. Carol okay, like you yeah. know like Carol um Shiva yeah. baby right but like I Shiva feel baby, you know yeah. um with you know with like someone like Kate Blanchett or Rachel Vice or like like these are like two actors who I love and um in some ways feel like hell yeah like it, you know I think like especially in 2015 when Carol came out it was really cool to see like such a huge, huge actress in this role. But mm-hmm. again, like as the culture like moves forward and, and, and changes, um, you know, and I see this on like the other side of things of like trying to get something made like a short film or a film made people don't want to a lot of like the, like behind the scenes processes that like, there is like a script or an idea or something and some, and like a a star attaches to it. And that's what like ultimately gets the the project made. And I think that like we, you know, studios have created this like big catch 22 where like a lot of genuine, authentic um, lesbian movies made by queer women don't get made because there aren't that many out like lesbian stars, you know? So like, so I think like there's this like big mess with like representation where like, um, I think sometimes stories that queer women write end up uh, getting played by like the roles get played by straight superstars, but which is like good for them because they're getting their movie made. But then it ends up being in some, I think like what we should focus on is um, like making supporting queer actors and making them superstars uh, so that more que- like it's like a whole catch 22 where like, yes. it's, like the more you know, the more Kristen Stewart's there are, the more like, 
um, star power there is, the more like the more happiest seasons there are. Exactly. (laughs) For better or worse. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just think about how many times there have been uh, like, quote unquote, straight actors cast in a queer role who like later they turn out not to be so straight, (laughs) Um, you know, um, Piper Chapman and uh, Taylor Schilling. Yeah. You know, um, or like even Chloe Grace Moritz uh, in Cameron Post, people were like, oh, why did they cast a straight person? It's like, well, one, like she's young. You don't know. You can't like there's sometimes people know inside information when they're they're casting um you know sometimes not but like it just always sucks when I feel like uh people get criticized for being cast or like taking a role and then they have to like apologize but it's like but what if they they are queer or like what if I don't know it just seems like a little bit of a crazy yeah no and I I agree I, I like I definitely like emphatically feel like there should be no hard and fast rule about yeah. like who can play um, gay. And also there's like so many stories like, you know, Orange is the New Black is a good example of like someone like the writer, Lauren Morelli, who realized right. that she was queer in writing for the show and not right. working on the show. Like, you know, it, it things evolve. So even if it's like that person isn't out, there's also a part of, like they could go into it feeling like, yes, I am straight and then learn they are not, you know, so like, right, I'm straight. I'm just so drawn to this. Yeah, right. <laughs> something about it. So it just feels so good. I don't know. The chemistry is so real. I don't feel like, no, like straight people or straight identifying people at the time should not be allowed to play gay. Um, but I do think like the bigger fight is is like making sure that we are making superstars out of uh, the like out queer actors that do exist, you know. Right. Definitely. I love that. Which is also kind of a catch-22 because that's not our jobs as audiences so much as like studio heads and people, white men in power. Uh, Right. Right. Which is something you're sort of dealing with right now in getting a short film made or out there. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, totally. I shot a, a short film that I wrote and directed a couple weeks ago. It's called The Ladies, and uh, it's about a queer woman who moves in with her grandma for the summer after her grandpa dies to kind of help out in her with her grandma and her like Jewish uh, senior living community in Florida and ends up having like an affair with her grandma's best friend. Uh, so that's the um, that's the gist of the short film. Love it. Yeah. That horny MILF content for anyone. Yes, who, um, um, I'm there subscribes. for it. <laughs> I hope it turns into um, a, a feature or a series. I'm there. Me too. You've already sold me on it. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Me too. Me too. I assume that's why anybody makes a short film. Uh, <laughs> it's just for yeah. more monies uh, to make the, the bigger version of it. But, you know, sometimes yes, it's just an manifesting. art form. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you talk about in in the book the different eras of celesbianism, mm-hmm. uh, scrubbing, leaking, outcasting, spilling. We're in mainstreaming now. What do you think is next? Where do we go from mainstream? Yeah, well, you know what? I feel like kind of what I what we were just talking about and what I wrote in my article for Time is like what I would like to see next is um, like more 
authenticity because I think that now that things have been because like queerness has become so mainstream it has gotten kind of like watered down and some of the like messaging I think gets lost in there um and like you know the kinds of stories that are important and change lives or also don't have to be like you know life-changing important stories but just like human stories about queer people like those are the kinds of things that I would like to see next um so I think like after the mainstreaming comes, you know, hopefully this is, I'm just speaking it into existence is just, I would just like to see a lot more, um, like authentic, uh, queer stories told and, um, and and whether they're like, like I said, like important and, you know, life-changing or like my my favorite kinds of movies are like, you know, the kids are all right. Like I love the kids, you know, like I would love to just see like, funny, messy, heartfelt stories uh, where queer people don't slam a woke moment button. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like normalization? Um, I'm trying to... <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. If I can think of a word. I'm like authentication. There's no pressure. No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It sounds so dumb. <laughs> Total domination. <laughs> yeah. That would be... Yeah. And then after that, the next phase is, of course, um, world domination. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, mandatory conversion. Mandatory queerness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this has been great. Um, it's been so fun to talk to you about all this stuff. And uh, I hope listeners, you simply must get a copy of this book. It's so good and has so much important information uh, if you want to, you know, be in the know about queer queer culture and uh, so many great references. Oh, wait, one quick thing. Shoot, that I didn't yeah. mention before I ask, like, where should people buy it? Where should people follow you? Nev Campbell's bangs. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> point. it's been, I mean, maybe that's just all I wanted to say. No, uh, it's been an obsession of mine um, yeah. since Scream. Um, but I've never been able to like fully understand like why Nev Campbell with bangs mm. <laughs> has been just like like a hallmark of like queer for me. Like, <laughs> yeah. Do you have any more insight on that? Um, yeah, no, I, first of all, thank you for bringing this up. Um, okay. I think that <laughs> I feel like when I was younger, I interpreted a lot of like when in, in the complete absence of like queer women on screen, just seeing a woman who was like empowered and independent and like, just kind of like strong-willed was like enough, you know, at the time. Right. Uh, and I feel like uh, Sydney in Scream is one of these kind of like, you know, not, I, I mean, also so much about the nineties, like m- m- everything she was wearing is very like queer culture. There's just like the denims and right, the, right. you know, the, I don't know, the, 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 girl, the girls poster in the bedroom. Like, was that a subliminal message? Was I like, yeah, the t- you know, right. Like, I feel like that used to be in the nineties, like an image of like the cool girl or something. Yeah. And really like, we know that it's like the gay girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like she was like, you know, not only like aesthetically signaling, but I think that like, you know, those kinds of like, uh, you know, I'm also thinking of like, uh, what's her name in like the Terminator or, or, oh yeah. Um, Sigourney Weaver in Alien, like these kinds of, right. um, even Thelma and Louise, like just the way that, I don't know, there was so much like aesthetic signaling. And I think also when we got to watch, uh, 
I'm giving you like a serious answer about Nev Campbell's bangs. Um, <laughs> like oh. getting in too deep. Um, Carolyn thinks seriously about it. Yeah, I do. I think about, about it, it a lot. <laughs> yeah. No, but like, I don't know. I just think that truly like movies that passed the Bechdel test at the time were like, right. you know, just like a woman who was like doing something powerful was just like very hot to me or to us maybe. Also, all the examples you just gave are women who like at some point in uh, the movie are like dirty. Like they're <laughs> they're covered yeah. in like sweat, blood, mm, yeah. dirt, um, like whatever it is. And like, is that a thing? Like even we, yeah. when we interviewed um, Jasmine and, and Liv from Yellow Jackets, Melody was like, oh, I'm not used to seeing you, you two looking so clean. Like, yeah. so clean. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they're like, what? It's like, no, usually you're, you know, on, on that island. But that makes it like extra weird. Yeah. Extra queer. Why? No, yeah. And, and then it's also like, you know, that thing of like, is it queer or am I just like so gay that I think it's like hot and I like can't separate these things, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I, you know, that was like uh, maybe a made up answer about Nev Campbell. And maybe the answer is really just that like, we thought she was really hot. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely something to journal about. Yeah, <laughs> Melody and I were were recently uh, added to a Twitter group message um, about <laughs> Carol uh, Radziwell from um, Real Housewives of New York, and mm. the kind of orchestrator of, of this group um, has like Nev Campbell with bangs as her avatar, and I'm like. There's more of us. Um, There's and this internet stranger. Who yeah. Found, we, know, we don't know what she looks like. We just see this avatar pop up every day and she has new information on wow. potential queerness about this Real Housewives star that we love. That's important. <laughs> yeah. But also like Nev Campbell in Wild Things, like like that wasn't actually queer role. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> seminal film. Um, seminal Big queer time. film. Oh my gosh. Um, I just got all sorts of feelings. Um, (laughs) And on that note, where should people, where would you like people to purchase the the book and where can they follow you online? Yeah. um, You can buy Girls Can Kiss Now at your independent bookstore. Local independent bookstore would be, would be the best. Um, or, you know, it's on all the places, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, et cetera. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jillboard, spelled like billboard, um, or on Instagram at Jill Gutowitz. Love it. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jill. This has been fun. Oh my thank God. You for, thank you for guys. your service overall. All, yes. all you do for, for the community. We salute you. Oh my yes. God. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for even reading and supporting the book. I'm so, so grateful. Wow. Since we recorded this interview the other week, that uh, Harper's article that she wrote got a lot of traction because it it got picked up by the New York Post. And then I see people sharing out the post. Multiple straight people have sent me the post headline. Not the original Harper's. Not the original. The Post picked it up with the the post recycling of it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like lesbian. uh, What is the post title? It was dressing like a lesbian is sexy powerful new trend fashion expert says okay jill i i like a 
Joe, congratulations. <laughs> You're a fashion expert. You're a fashion we should have included expert. that in our little like bio before the interview. Well, yes. Edit. Post-interview edit. Jill is also a fashion expert and great. Uh, I love it. I think it's really funny. Um, and people are having all sorts of reactions to it. But leave it to, to Jill to get lesbians in the mainstream. Yeah. When you have lesbians in a New York Post clickbait headline, we are mainstreaming our pop culture. Love it. Yes, Carolyn, things are getting better, but things are not so fast in a lot of pockets in the country. And we have a listener question from a certain one of those pockets. Okay. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. This week's listener question. I live in a Midwestern state and I'm probably a Kinsey scale four dating a Kinsey scale two to three. My question is, Do you have any tips slash internalized monologue to help process homophobic comments people make to you about having a bisexual partner? The Kinsey scale goes to six, right? Yeah. Okay. Just to when people are like, what does a four, what does a two to three mean? Six being like, I'm a Kinsey six. Right. It is definitely six, right? Okay. Yeah. Some, I, yeah, it's definitely not seven. Sometimes I second guess and go to seven. It's six, right? Six, zero to six. Okay. For example, I recently had a straight woman friend tell me she's always thought my girlfriend would be better suited for a man. (laughs) That's not a friend. Anyways, comments like that really hurt. Yeah. We have a great relationship and we have been together for over five years. I know we're solid, but we receive a lot of negativity from more conservative people we're forced to have in our lives. How do I cope? with invalidating comments on my queer relationship. I mean, my instinct is it's probably too late, but for that friend be like, Oh, that's really funny because I've always thought your boyfriend would be better suited with another man. Ooh, that's you're better than me. Mine was, (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. I always thought you would die alone. (laughs) (laughs) I, I always think like making um, an equally charged comment makes them realize, like make them realize that what they're saying is stupid. Um, if you're not somebody who's quick to <laughs> dish out comebacks like that, um, not much of a, a snapback person, I think just asking, how do you think that comment makes me feel? Just put them on the spot. Like when, some, when somebody says something uncomfortable, just be like, what do you think my reaction should be to that? Like, I how know. do you think that that makes me me feel? And then they'll stop and realize they're an asshole. But I think making people stop, drop and realize they're an asshole <laughs> is stop, drop and roll back the tapes. I like to just be like, hey, what? What did you just say? And make yeah. them say it again. Yeah. And be like, wait, did you just hear yourself like just really make them yeah go back and hear themselves say it i don't know really stop drop and roll back the tapes that's the yeah. new <laughs> love it <laughs> so pleased with myself um <laughs> yeah that sucks uh you're in your midwestern state living your best queer life and right you're these 
conservative people, I mean, how much are we going to change their minds? Not much, but we can change how they think they can talk to people and how they can respect people's relationships. They don't have to understand it, but you have to let them know that that is a very rude thing to say. And sometimes you have to, like Carolyn (laughs) did, flip the tables and have them reflect on how they would answer a dumb question like that. Yeah. I mean, you definitely shouldn't take it personally. Uh, I think s- straight people, some they just don't know how to talk. Uh, their, their communication skills, I think are a little bit underdeveloped and they, they say things that are inappropriate. And I don't think it's like on you to find ways of like, being okay with that i think it's definitely more of a matter of things that you can do to get them to to realize it and and flipping the script and doing the same to them because they they don't i don't know i i've done that before though to no avail of like oh this person doesn't understand how ridiculous they are i'm gonna do the same thing they do to me back to them always that and then they're works. like, no. Well, <laughs> no, one time, one time I did in a big way. I'm not going to get into it. And um, they were just like, does anyone notice Carolyn's been kind of weird lately? <laughs> like, <that one. laughs> I'm like, Ugh, you missed the point. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe straight people also aren't good at picking up on passive aggressive cues, but, um, you know, be a little <laughs> bit less passive, be a little bit more aggressive. We're so we're like, listen, straight people, you're going to encounter them. They have no perspective, sense of humor. It's tough. I'm sorry. Yeah. You just have to let these people know that there's a no fly zone with (laughs) certain things. They're clearly not able to talk about your relationship, so they shouldn't at all. You know, my cousin married gung-ho Trump supporter. I say that now in 2022 Trump supporter still talking about Trump. Um, and he, um, when he comes to gatherings with the rest of the progressive Persian family, this white guy, um, anytime things turn political, if he's been drinking or something, she just has to start shouting a safe word to shut him up. I don't know. Have that with your family when things get dicey. After a few beers, just have someone in your family start squawking cupcake. (laughs) Okay, cupcake, (laughs) cupcake, you guys. That's what she says (laughs) to get us past those topics. He's not authorized to comment on. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I love having a uh, a safe word for heteronormativity. (laughs) Yeah, try it. Works for us. Yeah, we just shout cupcake to shut. Mike up. <laughs> Shut up, Mike. Uh, unless your name is Mike and you have a listener question, then send it in. Send uh, it in. Out at gmail.com. Please send us your questions. We love to get them, read them out, and tell you to be aggressive. Mm-hmm. Be aggressive. As a response, whatever the question is, just be more aggressive. Yeah. You can follow us 
everywhere at Diking Out or at Diking Out Podcast on uh, TikTok, um, which I'll try to be more active so we don't miss out um, on being cast as the next Tegan and Sarah. Right? <sighs> it's all my fault. We could have we could have played Tegan and Sarah in their new show, High School, uh, but because I am so scared of TikTok, we, we missed the boat. So maybe next time. Um... Follow me at TGI Carolyn. You can follow me at Diane underscore Keaton. <laughs> Listen, she posts more than I do. She's 76 years old and she posts more than I do. Just go ahead and follow Diane Keaton. Because I'm not. <laughs> I'm not posting. I just, you know. All the turtleneck content <laughs> you could ever want. Follow Diane Keaton. Go I'm going to say her. follow Melody Kamali at Melody Kamali. <laughs> Thank you for diking out with us this week. Sign up for our Patreon if you haven't yet. And see you next Tuesday. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.